Welcome to the Crossway Podcast, a podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and with me is my great friend, my co-host, Joshua Fowler. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry League and also Goodwood Church of Christ and Holly Hill Church of Christ. We're glad you're here. Man, I always forget how long that little uh, silence is at the end of that. At the end of that, uh, <laughs> like, is it uh, is it done? Is it not yeah. done? And now we have lost all of our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> but it is okay because people will watch later, and uh, we're glad you do. We're glad that that you are uh, uh, faithful listeners of our show. But man, Josh, before we got on, we were talking about uh, one of their your members or one of your your people being in the ER and because of COVID and because of the way he got there, thought he was lost Mm -hmm. and thought no one knew where he was. And I can't imagine. I I, I can't imagine just having the fear of, does anyone know where I'm at? Mm -hmm. I don't even know where, how I got here. And just, have you ever been that afraid of something before? I mean, I haven't been that. I mean, I've been scared of a few things, but not to that extent. Well, the closest thing like I can think of, um, I was not personally lost, but my little brother got lost. We went deer hunting and he got lost in the Guadalupe mountains um, around dusk. And he was, uh, he was probably only eight years old. Um, I was probably 12. So he was eight. And, it was, it wasn't my fault. He got lost, but I was responsible for him. And we were playing hide and seek. Um, and, you know, so that's kind of the, the closest thing that I can really, you know, imagine to that kind of a feeling of, uh, you know, are we going to find this person? I can put myself in his shoes being like, I'm here, I'm in the woods, in the mountains, it's cold, it's getting dark and I have no clue where I am. Um, yeah, no, that's it's a, it's a scary feeling. That's scary. And and I can't think of, you know, a time when I've actually been that afraid of something. You know, there there are very few things that that make me just absolutely fearful. Uh, it's maybe I'm just maybe I should care a little bit more about it. I'm more scared of like abstract things and like the unknown stuff. But, you know, being around certain things, are, I mean, doesn't really make me scared. But I would imagine in our lives encountering certain things where it's no one wants to be alone. No one wants to feel like nobody cares about them. And that, that moment of, does anyone actually care about me? Am I going to die here? Can be a very unsettling thing to experience. And uh, natural segue into what we're talking about (laughs) and uh, not so much anymore. But uh, the disciples thought they were about to die at one point and and they were absolutely terrified. (laughs) Yeah, there's a there's a lot of depth in uh, in this story here, I think, in uh, in Mark chapter four. Um, It was, you know, part of our daily Bible reading plan takes us through, you know, a book at a time. We were going through this Mark chapter four and there's a lot you know, that goes on. Mark is one of those books that is just like rapid fire, one after the other, after the other. And so Mark chapter four is, 
just packed full of the parable of the sower. And then it tells us why Jesus used parables. And then he goes into, you know, the light and growing seed and the mustard seed. And then they're in the boat, right? They're in the boat and it's in chapter 30 or chapter four, verse 35. It says, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and they took Jesus along since he was in the boat. Um, and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. And he was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And so they woke him up. And they said, <laughs> teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? And he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased. There was a great calm. And then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And they asked one another, who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. So that's a, what, 35 to four, it's a six verses, maybe seven verses. Um, but when I read that encounter, there are probably like seven or eight aspects of this story that just jump out and smack me in the face, you know, um, you have any thoughts uh, where we where we begin with something like this? Uh, well, I think we we begin, uh, you know, maybe in the beginning, just when he's saying, let us go. Let me make sure I don't get out of frame. You know, let us go to the other side. And, you know, so they're they're leaving after talking to a group of people. And he's already been teaching so that there's not like they just met Jesus. They've been with Jesus for some time. I think that's worth mentioning. But then they get in a boat. It says now other boats were with him. So it's almost like Jesus is getting on a boat because there's not much room left. And everybody else is also kind of getting in their boats to travel with him. It's like a big boat parade. <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, we got to keep up with the teacher so we can keep hearing what he's teaching about. And then, which I think shows the the mag um, magnetic personality or at least the teaching style that Jesus had. But what sticks out most to me, Josh, is how afraid these fishermen were. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, city boy Jonathan's on a out in the ocean and, and these waves start happening. And I'm like, hey, are those normal? Oh, those are normal. OK, good. Just making sure. You know, I said earlier, I'm not scared of much things. Well, I at least want to know what's going on and make sure that, hey, that's normal, right? So I can be prepared to do whatever I need to do. Well, these fishermen had experienced storms. They most likely knew, hey, that's a storm. We're not going fishing today. We're not going on the water today. You know, when, when I was just on the swim team, I could look in the sky and decide, yeah, I'm not going to the pool today. Mm -hmm. just, you, you just know what to look for. Or, hey, uh, it looks more looks more terrifying and, and a, looks more stormy than it really is. We can go swimming. We'll keep an eye out just to be safe. You know what to look for. Fishermen knew what to look for in storms. But this storm scared them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that's worth mentioning. Oh, I, I think so. I think it at least gives the... Uh... Um, gives us some context to really, I mean, how big of a deal this was, right? Yeah. Um, you, you know, this is, I mean, the storm's being swamped. 
Um, and Jesus is, Jesus is in the boat, but he's in the boat and he's asleep. Um, I don't know. I don't know which part of that, you know, <laughs> speaks to me more. The fact that Jesus is in the boat and the disciples are still afraid or the fact that Jesus is in the boat in a storm like this. Um, and he's asleep. My wife tells me that I can sleep through anything. Right? Like, you know, of course Same. you're okay with it because, you know, if you get woken up, you go right back to sleep. Um, yeah. But, you know, she's not the same way. You know, if she wakes up, you know, her mind just like goes, goes, goes. And a lot of things do wake her up. You know, she's like, did you hear that? I'm like, no, I didn't hear that. I was asleep. What do you <laughs> yeah. mean? Did you hear the storm last night? Nope. Nope, I did not. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Jesus is here. He's in the boat. And there's this storm going on around us. But but Jesus is at peace. Um, Jesus is at peace maybe because of, of who he is, maybe because of his understanding of what's going on. Um, but the disciples aren't. And they've been with Jesus long enough to know that, I mean, he's healed lepers. He has he has taught them things they've never seen before. He has used his knowledge of God's word and his his calling to silence Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law. Um, he's healed people and he's made lame people walk, and he is the Messiah. They're coming to realize he is the anointed one that they've been looking for. Um, but then the the first place they go to is when they come to Jesus, they don't understand exactly what he is actually able to do. Uh, but also they ask him, don't you care that we are going <laughs> to die? And, you know, I've wondered how many times in my life have I really kind of looked at God and said, you don't even care. You don't even care what I'm going through. You don't even care about whatever it is that's going on in my life. It's here. You're not doing anything about it. And you don't even care that, that my life, reputation, way of life, career, whatever is about to be over. And you don't even care. Yeah. Um, and so that that's just a, a one aspect that kind of brings this into a different kind of focus for me, particularly with uh, with where Jesus is going to go in, in a couple of statements. Yeah. And uh, they were very focused on the storm. And a lot of times when we're going through difficult things, it's easier to focus on the negative than it is the positive. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, it's not healthier. It's not better. <laughs> but uh, we like to complain. We like to. Sometimes I wonder if we actually enjoy worrying. If we actually enjoy working ourselves up. Well, and you say, oh, I know I don't like feeling uneasy but we sure relish in it. You know, we sure spend a lot of energy in it. And here the disciples were saying, oh, big storm. Oh no, we're going to die. Oh, Jesus, he's sleeping. He doesn't care. And uh, do your job. You know, man is stationed. You know, go, you know, go help us. You know, you're not pulling your own weight. You know, don't you care? You know, there's nothing that's, you know, very few things are more frustrating and then when you're troubleshooting something and someone's sitting in a corner just twiddling their thumbs going, whatever. And that's not what Jesus was doing. But from their perspective, they were saying, why aren't you helping us? 
you know, why aren't you doing your part? Don't, you know, you're sleeping on the job. <laughs> right. and this is not okay. And we're worried and you're over here and who knows where, you know, we would say, you know, la la land whenever, you know, that's what my parents said, I guess. I don't know where that came from, but you know, you're off here and, you know, not doing anything. And you're supposed to, we're supposed to be following you. You know, you're who we're following. You, he was their leader. Mm -hmm. And they looked to him and said, if you're not doing anything, then why are we even following you? Because it was an honor to be handpicked by a rabbi. And here's this rabbi who they're supposed to be following. They're supposed to be learning from. They're supposed to be doing everything he's doing. And here he is just sleeping. Yeah, it's, um, I, th I think, you know, before we get to the, you know, they had the calming and we see the effect that this has, but, yeah. you know, the sea represented a deep, deep darkness, um, even to, even to fishermen. Yeah. Like there's something did. unknown about the open water. They respected um, the sea. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it was a, and it was an emblem, particularly in Jewish thought of that's where evil resides is in the sea. The water represents chaos. You look in Genesis chapter one, you know, the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters, over the surface of the deep. And so water is this image of, of the chaotic. It's unpredictable. The Sea of Galilee would suddenly spring up some of these storms that would just come out of nowhere. Um, when Jesus casts out, you know, the demons from uh, the man in the garrisons, he sends he sends the pigs into into the water, which is where everyone expected demons to go, was off the cliff and into the water. And so, you know, there's this real respect and reverence for what transpires in that space. Um, and there's a fear of it, too, because of, of what it represents in their minds. And here Jesus gets up and says, first, be still. And the sea obeys. And the wind and the sea obeys. And then he looks at him and he asks him this question. He says, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And I'm looking at this going, look, if I'm an apostle, I got a right to be afraid. My ship is sinking into the depths of the sea. And I don't know what exists underneath these waters. Yeah. You know, I don't know what transpires. There is so much chaos and nothingness. And this is like the epitome of evil. And we're about to go down into the middle of it. Of course I'm afraid. What do you mean? Why are you afraid? Do you have no faith? And so yeah. Jesus puts these two together, their fear with their lack of faith. And that that just that that pierces me when I think about the things that cause me fear. Um and they're not nearly as um imminently threatening as a giant massive storm swamping my boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. Um, and he says, where's your faith? <laughs> well, you here's, what's, here's what's really interesting, too. Right before this, what was he talking about? We look in, in Mark 3. I'm sorry, we're still in Mark 4. I'm sorry, Mark 4. And it's the parable of the mustard seed. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about having faith like the, you know, small as the, the mustard seed. And uh, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and then 
And then he goes, and then with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples. And then here's, he explained everything. (laughs) So he just talked about having faith. He explained everything. They get in a boat. He goes to sleep. They wake him up saying, you don't care about us. We're all going to die. And he, so one, it, there's two lessons. One, okay, you should have faith in Jesus. You've been seeing everything. But two, I can hear him just waking up saying, "Come on, I just, dude. I just talked about this. I mean, we just, I just talked about it. I just gave you the cliff notes. You should be able to understand this by now. You know, do I, but, do I need to highlight the answer to this question in the email that I just sent you? You know, um. yeah. Is this going to be on the test? You know, but this is this is what's interesting. But what I like is he doesn't start off by criticizing them. You know, he, he starts off by addressing their fear. Mm-hmm. And then he turns and says, you should have. And basically he says, you should have known more. You should have known better. You should have known. You know, he, he, he proves who he is. He, he can, he addresses their fear as a loving, compassionate savior. Then he looks at them and says, you should have known. Be better. Yeah. Yeah. Be Be better. better. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, I am grateful that so many of these kinds of stories exist because if I'm really honest with myself, I beat myself up a lot about um, the different ways in which it's not that my, I don't want to say it's not that my faith is lacking because maybe, maybe it is lacking at times a little bit, but, uh, and sometimes a lot, but we let things kind of get into our mind. We let things kind of overcome our spirit and our emotions. Um, and our circumstances are that way. And because they are so personal sometimes that they just consume our thought, they consume our energy. And sometimes I think we forget. I think we forget that the son of God is in our boat. Um, yeah. Or should I say that I am in the son of God's boat? <laughs> yeah. Um, that he is, he is the one who, who governs my life, that he is the one who has promised to love and care and protect and guide. And because I just get wrapped up in, in exactly what it is that I'm experiencing. Um, and so, you know, he, this question of, do you still have no faith? Why are you afraid? Don't be consumed by the things that are going on in your life right now. You can look at whether it's, whether it's politics or whether it's something going on in the culture or whether it is, you know, your health and your wellness, or you got family issues, you got job issues, we got whatever it is, those things can consume us. You know, they can consume our mind. They can consume our anxiety. They can cause us to get into this space of worry. And Jesus kind of looks at him and says, yeah, I know, I know the storm looks terrible. I know you think you're drowning, but I'm right here. And as long as I'm right here, we're not going anywhere. Um, (laughs) You might not get there the way you thought you were going to get there. The path might not be the path you would have chosen. Um, I'm I'm not even saying there are going to be some rough patches along the way, you know, because I'm not going to let you fall. Um, Sometimes I think we forget, you know, what we actually have at our disposal. 
But, yeah. Uh, oh, in our team class on Wednesdays, we've been going over, uh, I call it the quest, you know, keeping the, and I took it from, I think Mark Pimsler um, talked about Google has taken the quest out of the question. Mm -hmm. And um, so I thought, oh man, that would be a really, <laughs> that would be a really good uh, series for teenagers to challenge them to address questions, but to not just say, give me the answer, but also the quest of, the unknown in our spiritual journey and just being okay with the, un maybe the, the things we encounter. So we talked about the preparation, knowing where we're going. We talked about the importance of following our guide, following Jesus, not, you know, putting our faith in ourselves, but then, you know, reading our map, you know, if you're going on a quest, you need a map mm -hmm. and the Bible's our map. But then the last two lessons were really important. And I think they fit here wearing the right gear, you know, if, if I'm going hiking, I'm probably not wearing flip flops. You know, uh, it, it, so making sure we're wearing the right gear, which could be, you know, compassionate hearts, humility, you know, then the fruit of the spirit, obviously. The, and then you've got the, the armor of God. But then yesterday we talked about surviving dangerous terrains and persevering. Mm -hmm. And we looked at another passage in the, that Jesus told about the wise man and the foolish man who built their house on the rock and on the sand. And I said, a lot of times we just focus on the foundation, one built on a good foundation, one built on a not so good foundation. And uh, one fell, one survived. And, but what do we miss? Both houses suffered a storm. Jesus didn't say, oh, one house had no storms because he built it on the right place. No. Yeah. <laughs> he said a storm came and beat against that house. And it didn't fall because of its foundation. And here, you know, the disciples, here they are in a storm. Sometimes I feel like we think we, when a storm happens, it's the end of the world. Or we've done something wrong. Or, oh, no, panic time. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe and not. I, I wish I could remember the uh, um, the guy's name, but you know, on TikTok you can find some little moments of clarity. And there's this preacher <laughs> on there, you know, and he says, "What he said was, sometimes God is going to lead you through a desert so that He can demonstrate to you what He's going to do in you. Um, sometimes He's going to lead you through a desert because." You need to grow in some way or another. He said, sometimes God is going to lead you through the desert so he can look at Satan and say, see, my people are who I called them to be. Um, just as a demonstration to the heavenly beings. And we see that in, in the life of Job. And Joseph, you know, we just got done studying Genesis. And, yeah. and Joseph at the end of... Um, in that famine, when his brothers come and see him, um, he attributes being sold into slavery to the work of God. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's sometimes that is something that we want to sidestep and we want to dance around and we want to use language like, well, God would never take us intentionally into something this difficult, but he can certainly use it and redeem it. Um. And I think maybe we need to get a little more comfortable with an understanding that sometimes God is going to actually lead us through difficult circumstances. Um, 
Moses had to spend time in the desert and God sent him there. He led him there so that he could become the man God wanted him to be. Jesus had to spend time in the desert um, so that, you know, he could be prepared for what was to come. Um, those weren't pleasant experiences. Um, they aren't experiences that they would have chosen given their own, um, if they're left to their own devices, you know? And so I think we have to learn that sometimes we're going to find ourselves in a place where our only option is to trust in God. Um, whether that's because we need to learn something or we need to develop something or simply because God needs to proclaim to the powers that be in the heavens. These are my people. These are my people and they are who I've called them to be. Um, and that was just a really uh, a powerful observation for me. And even we see some of that here, especially as the apostles look and they see the wind and the seas obey and they're terrified. and They look at each other and they say, who is this? I mean, we've been sitting, we've been seeing, we've been experiencing all this thing, all these things over the last um, months. Uh, but now in this moment, they're looking at each other going, who is this man? Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? Yeah. It, it's and especially for fishermen. I mean, you mentioned this earlier. They knew the danger of the sea. And, the, and there were also stories of, you know, sea monsters. There were stories of, you know, how, you know, sometimes the sea has a mind of its own. Right. And, and uh, the, they had a, a rightful fear because you can't tame the, the, the ocean. You can't tame the sea. You can't tame a storm. Mm -hmm. And here it is, something they've probably fought multiple times before, storms. And here Jesus, Jesus gets up and just does what? Okay, stop, guys. You know, or just, just what, three words? Peace, be still. Mm -hmm. Silence. And it, and, it, and it and I like and I think was it here, yeah. And there was great calm. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just oh, it slowly settled down. No, it was boom. Wind stopped. It wasn't oh, look the wind. You know oh, now we have a break in the storm. No, it was instant. Right. So much where it's one of those eerie feelings where you're like, oh, whoa, that was that's weird. Do I see the sun? You know, it's it, it's gone. And they went, oh, we've been following this guy, like you said, but, but now it's the, do we really know who we've been following? I think they, they, hopefully this would be when they start to piece together. We knew this guy was a powerful teacher. We knew there was something special about him. But this is even, this is, this is a different level. Mm -hmm. And, and, this is completely new and perhaps, man, maybe this is who we've been waiting for. Yeah. I don't see. I'm a sports guy. Right. Um, and every once in a while, you know, something or someone comes along where you just don't have words. Um, and I, uh, I think, was it, was it Stuart Scott? I think it was Stuart Scott who, you know, kind of coined the phrase, mama, there goes that man um, that people have started using now on SportsCenter when somebody does something great. Um, 
but I remember, you know, as a kid, you know, watching Michael Jordan and doing things that like humans just shouldn't be able to do. Um, LeBron James came on the scene and it's like guys that are that big and that tall and that powerful shouldn't move that rapidly. Um, Bo Jackson, you know, watching him play the short time that he played just unbelievable. he He did things and you said, that's not possible. And, we weren't. We didn't have TiVo, and we didn't have DVR, so we, we couldn't back it up. It. No, we couldn't rewind <laughs> it to prove that that just happened. Yeah, I can't um, find it. I I had a my baseball our our coach in high school played uh, second base for LSU under Skip Bertman, and uh, he was our baseball coach, and he was talking about Bo Jackson and said he was watching a baseball game with Bo play, and he was stealing second, which normally he got whenever he wanted because he was just so fast. But he said a throw beat him significantly. And he was in mid-slide. And he stopped his slide in mid-slide, picked his body up, and jumped over the guy and touched the base. (laughs) And if you've ever tried doing something like that before, uh, don't do it because you'll hurt yourself. Physics doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. (laughs) I tried. It didn't end very well. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just... You know, so every once in a while, these people come along. Um, uh, you know, I saw it when when Patrick Mahomes came on. He came out of Texas Tech. They're like, yeah, no good quarterback comes out of Texas Tech. And he had all the skill and ability, but they're all system yeah, I quarterbacks. I, I did, too, because they were all system quarterbacks. And then this this young dude goes to Kansas City, and he has a great first year. And they're like, yeah, but now the league's kind of caught up with him, and he's never going to do those kind of things again. And what does he do? He just continues to do them. Left-hand yeah. passes, underhand passes. I mean, just just the kind of things. It's like, what are you? Hey, that worked. And and he just continues <laughs> to do those things. And, you know, so you have these kind of things that come on. So we're not, we're not unfamiliar with this kind of awe where you're just like, what did I just witness? Like, I hope I got that recorded because this could be historical. Um, <laughs> and, and some of those things that you just like to to tune into, just because um, it might happen one day, it might happen. I might be able to witness those things. And here are these apostles, and they're looking, and their only response when they see what Jesus has done is, <laughs> "Who is this? Who are we following? Who have we attached ourselves to? We thought we were attaching ourselves to something great. We had no idea." the power that he has. And he was right there in the boat. They've been walking with him. And and I think so many times in my own life, I have found myself in a position um, where God, um, his spirit is sitting there within me saying, you don't even know the power that lives within you. You don't even realize the power that lives within you. If you did, you would say, take control. Show me the way. Lead me through this. I'm yours. Instead, you know, we kind of are like, all right, I got this. And if I need your help, then I'll consult you. And we kind of treat that as like, come along, not as take me along for the ride. Kind of a kind of a. Yeah. Or we're like Moses when whenever he says, hey, Moses, here's what I want you to do. And Moses goes, (laughs) no, (laughs) (laughs) no, that 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 looks really hard. And I'm not your man. Uh, I can't do that. And God says, trust me, I got you. 
I'll be your words. I'll tell you exactly what to say. Yeah, no, I'm still not so sure. I'm like, sometimes we give Moses a hard time, but we don't like to admit that maybe we are Moses because we've been called to do great things. And too often we say, you know, well, do we say exactly what Moses said? Send somebody else. Yeah. Not my job. And, and I'm going to say we're usually more like Jonah than we are Moses. Yes. Yeah. You know, because Moses, if you think about Moses' life, Moses had already tried to take control. He just didn't do it on God's time. He did it on his own time. <laughs> yeah. And it cost him 40 years in Midian. And so now God comes to him and says, hey, Moses, it's time for you to come. And Moses says, hmm, we've been down this road before. I'm not <laughs> your guy. Don't you remember what happened in Egypt? I'm not your guy. Yeah, they ran and, me out. <laughs> and God is saying, you've always been my guy. You weren't ready then, but you're ready now. Um, because you already have the tools and the equipping that you had before. And now you've got the humility that needs to go along with those kind of tools and equipment. And sometimes I find myself in that situation. More often than not, I'm like Jonah, where God's like, go here. And I'm like, <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm gone. In fact, you want me to go this way? I'm going the other way. Because <laughs> yep. yep. I do not want to go there. Yeah. Um, and it's just thanks, it's but no just thanks. Such a challenge. Thanks, but no thanks. And, and all along, we have the spirit of God that dwells within us. Um, the same spirit, the same spirit that called Jesus out of the grave. Um, lives in us and says, I want to work in you. I want to work through you. I want you to be my tool in this world um, so that through you, people can come to know who Jesus is. Um, and sometimes that means he's going to carry us through a storm. Yep. Sometimes that means the waters are going to be calm. Um, but we've got to be willing to recognize um, who's in the boat. Yeah. Um, and he might be um, sleeping in the boat, but as long as Jesus is in my boat, we're good. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think we are just about out of time. Do you have, uh, I mean, I have one thing at the end that I'm going to mention, but you have any wrapping up thoughts for, uh, for those who are tuning in? No. My, uh, my parting thought is just simply... Um, Remember that question. Um, this question, who is this man? Yeah. It's not only a question that we ask every day, uh, but it's a question, question that we are called to answer every day. You know, Jesus said, if any man would come after me, he would deny himself daily, take up his cross and follow me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so every day we get up and we ask this question, who is this man? And the answer is, he is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my king. Um, and we're we're living in a time where it, I, I wish I could just say that it's in our culture, uh, but it's not just in our culture. It's in our culture. It's in our church. It's in our work. And it's often in our families where there is just so much um, garbage being spewed and thrown about um, at other people, at people that we love, at people we respect. Um Remember that Jesus is your man, <laughs> that Jesus is your king, that Jesus is your Lord. Um, mm -hmm. And we can have conversations and we can have difference of opinions. Um, we can even have debates if we want to. 
Um, but those debates must be um, shrouded um, by people who understand that we don't live under a banner. We live in the shadow of the cross. Absolutely. Uh, and if Jesus is our king, that shapes everything that we do. Shapes the way we deal with the good times. Shapes the way we deal with bad times. It shapes the way we agree. It shapes the way we disagree. Um, but that we love people above all things. Um, and that be the way that we, um, let that be a manifest um, in our lives in every aspect. So who is this man? Ask it and answer it every single day. Who is this man? I love that. I love that. that. The ways obey. I love that. And uh, so we want to thank you for, for tuning in today. Um, as always, uh, we're here to talk about how we can walk uh, in the way of the cross. And uh, we would like to leave you with a, a verse from 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. We're here to walk in his steps each and every day, even if it means we have to walk a little bit different. Uh, that's what it means to to walk in the way of the cross. That's what it means to, to walk crossways. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Uh, I'm Jonathan. This is Josh. And we'll see you guys next week.